Balance of Nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. I had begun to notice after 10 days with Balance of Nature, I felt better, more energetic. And believe me, for me, that's something because I have energy anyway. But as old as I am, that was really something to start really noticing. You know, we're all responsible for choosing what our attitudes are, but I had a better mental outlook. I mean, I always try to be positive, but there were subtle things in me that I began to notice. I just felt a difference with this. Get a wide variety of all your daily recommended servings of whole fruits and vegetables without having to leave your home. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code KATE. Have you ever listened to a progressive liberal and thought, the wheel is turning but the hamster is dead? The Kate Daly Show starts now. Defending fascism, no, I'm exposing you as a fascist. And because, because... Do you realize... Uh, I'm, I'll tell you how. You asked me a question. Hold on. Are you familiar are you familiar with the black shirts in Italy or the brown shirts in Germany? Do you realize that they would go to campuses, goons, and would stand in the back of the room, and when somebody tried to make an intelligent presentation and answer questions, they would shout them down, yell at them, try to intimidate them, and count as success if they could get the event canceled and the speaker threatened. But see, the problem is, sometimes you get speakers like me who are not scared of people like you. We recognize your frauds. <laughs> I recognize, I recognize that ultimately you are afraid of ideas. You're not willing to engage with me. Yes, you're afraid of ideas. You're not afraid of fascists. You think I pose a threat to you? I'm an immigrant. I came to America with nothing. What threat do I pose to you? Hi there. Welcome. Kate Daly Show, last hour on a Friday. Uh, Joel will be... Um Joel Skousen will be joining me next week. <laughs> there, there was just so many things going on today before the show. If I told you, you'd just crack up. But anyway, I, he had some complications in getting to the show, so he'll be next week. And um, you know what, though? Sometimes uh, maybe divine providence, you know, kind of kicks in. And, and maybe there's a reason that people need to hear uh, what I'm about to play. Because these uh, two hours of the show are really important to understand how to talk to somebody because we need to we need to really have more conversations um where as far as a divisive country goes uh it, it seems to be climbing in sort of blood pressure uh levels and we need to be able to talk to each other and you have to understand where these people are coming from so that we can understand how to talk to them and how to kind of get them to climb back down you know off of the wall so um in the last hour i covered um black privilege a conversation between two black people as one try as one actually successfully successfully just annihilated uh, the person on the white privilege. I mean, it was beautiful. I mean, it was just it's so interesting to hear. So that'll be on podcast. Um, also, white supremacy. We covered climate change and really the fundamental the fundamental. How do we make society better and how differently the right and the left think? And when you'll want to listen to the last hour on the show, that last segment on that, but to kind of give you a snapshot of that. The leftist of America 
have been consumed with fighting the uh, po- what they think are the political ails of the society rather than fixing self. The right feels like you fix the individual and enough of you are doing that and you're building your character and you're building your integrity and your moral base and everything else that the world will then be the accumulation of all of those individuals, right, working on self. This is this is foundationally at the root of why we see the world the way we do and the social issues. The reason that uh, the left goes after societal kind of kind of um, skips over self to go to societal is and Jordan Peterson put this so eloquently. It's a way to say um, pat myself on the back. I'm doing all this good for society. Look, look, look at how Look at how big my aim is. Look at how much I'm doing. And I want to force all of you to do what's right for society. Forget self. Just go right to society. So I'm going to tell you that there's a racism problem. I'm going to tell you there's a white privilege problem. I'm going to tell you there's a climate change problem. I'm going to tell you there's all these problems. And I'm going to go about busily fixing them. Because the left is trying to transform society. The right would like to just improve upon the society that we have. Kind of like a home. A home is built on a great foundation. Right. You want to keep that home intact. You want to make some improvements along the way. But that home stays in that foundational, that that superb foundational condition, just like our Constitution prepped America for this wonderful foundation that we have. The left wants to blow the house up and, and, and start over. The problem is, is they don't even realize where that lands us because they seem to enjoy America's offered dream but they get hooked on the idea that you don't worry about self as much as you're just there to um, solve the problems that you think exist for society. Um, so it's a, it's a huge kind of enlightening um, aha moment, or it should be for many of us. And so I don't know if you guys remember uh, Bernie Sanders and Hillary debating this topic, but I wanted to bring this up because I thought this was this was very, very important. Um, and this is all about, um, honestly, about is the poor poorer. Um, when the rich get rich, is do the poor get poor? And you're going to be hearing a lot about this because this seems to be sort of, sort of the, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's kind of this um, strange argument about income equality that you keep hearing over and over again with this election. So let's, let's, let's take a gander, shall we? This is John Stossel. Here you go. Richer and the poor get poorer. Rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer. Is that true? The poor get poorer? People keep talking about the evil of income inequality. This is the living room in a $16 million penthouse apartment. It's true that some rich people have gotten absurdly rich. But the other claim that they got rich while the poor people got poorer is just a myth. As we've increased the number of billionaires around the world, extreme poverty has actually shrunk down. Former Now, that's Carol Roth from The Roth Effect, and she explains how this doesn't actually happen. The poor do not get more poor because the rich get rich. Here you go. Shooting a hole right through most of the rhetoric you hear on TV right now. Here you go. Down. Former investment banker Carol Roth points out that anyone who pays attention knows that as the rich got richer, most poor people got richer, too. Worldwide, more than a billion people rose out of poverty. Yes, the rich got even richer, but why is that a problem? Consider poor me and rich me. 
Over the past 40 years, we rich Americans got 200% richer. Lucky me. I got just 32% richer. I didn't gain as much as he did. But I don't see how I'm hurt. I'm 32% richer. And yes, that's adjusting for inflation. And it doesn't even count all the cool new stuff innovation gave me. And here's, and here's another, another misleading, misleading claim. claim. A lack of economic mobility. The lack of economic mobility. Watching the news, you'd think people born poor in America have little chance to become rich. A striking lack of economic mobility in America. It's true that people with rich parents have a big advantage. But it's not like Americans are locked in. Economists at Harvard and Berkeley crunched the numbers and found most people born to the richest fifth of Americans fell out of that bracket within 20 years. Likewise, most born to the poorest fifth climbed to a higher quintile. Some make it all the way to the top. One study looking at that top bracket found... Three out of four Americans will hit that top 20% at some point in their lifetime. Three out of four people. Yes. There is the opportunity to have that mobility and to make an amazing income in this country. You see that if you just look at the billionaires on the Forbes richest list. Most are self-made. In other words, they didn't inherit the money. They created their own fortunes. But politicians and the media say that inequality itself is a huge problem. Frustrations over income inequality. There's an inequality in this country right now mm -hmm. that is threatening to tear us apart. It might tear us apart if people come to believe that all inequality is evil. Amen. But why is that <laughs> true? Progressives like to point out that Scandinavian countries have much more equal incomes than America does. But incomes are more equal than Afghanistan, too. Incomes tend to be equal when everyone is poor. Total equality isn't possible. Some people are just better singers than others. best performer in the country. The best athletes are just physically different. There's inequality in everything. There's inequality in free time. There's inequality in parents. I don't have any parents or grandparents. We're all so different in so many ways. I have two kidneys. There are people out there who need one, don't have one that functions. Should the government be able to take my kidney because somebody else needs it? How is it not wrong that some people have so much more than others? What's wrong about that? It's absolutely it's right. It's unfair. Life is unfair. Unfair is good. Unfair is a feature. It's not a bug. Something to think about next time someone tells you that it's government's job to make everyone equal. Wow. Nice, right? That was John Stossel explaining that. And let me just tell you what, what an insight that is. Uh, because somebody gets rich, it doesn't make somebody poor more poor. Here is, <laughs> you know, sometimes we don't take these apart enough to analyze them. So when you're talking to your youth, your college student that's turned into a liberal, your, your uh, relatives uh, that are liberal, um, you know, explain to them the actual truth behind the poor get poorer because people love to just repeat these things from CNN without ever actually analyzing them. This is Charlie Kirk and a student that was very angry at him um, talking about the poor. Here we go. It is not based on the best. What's wrong with the current system we live in again? It is not based on the best outcome for each person. It's based on the wealthy getting wealth off of making the poorer poor. 
Just because someone gets rich doesn't mean someone gets poor. Yes, it does. Explain that to me. In this society, it does. Explain that to me. When you bought bought your hat, who got poor? Your hat. Um, Mm -hmm. The people who made the hat. They voluntarily contributed their labor and they got paid for it. No, they did not. They didn't? There's workers in other countries who are enslaved to make things that I'm wearing right now. Then why would you buy it? Because there's no other options in our capitalist country. There are no other options in our capitalist that's, that's, country. That's totally and factually incorrect. Make your own clothes. There aren't very many options for that. Well, so what you're trying to say is you outsource your goods and services in a capital voluntary because you don't, you do you don't want to okay spend the time to go make enslaved? your own clothes. Do you think no, what I'm trying to say is you're making the argument for you. I don't make my own clothes because I'm happy no, that someone in Southeast Asia gets a job so that I don't have to go make my own clothes. Okay, so see where she went with that? Are you happy to see enslaved people? Well, where are these enslaved people? If you bought a hat and you're convinced that the people that built it or or made it uh, live in a country and it's from a country that they did not get paid for doing that, then don't buy it or make your own. See? So she was convinced, this college student, that the poor get more poor because the person bought the hat. The person had the means to buy the hat. It's it's nonsensical. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> and she couldn't. She she knew she couldn't go anywhere with it. That's why she said. So you think people should be enslaved? Oh yes, honey. I think people should be. Ens- yeah. I mean, that's where they go with the argument because they they cannot provide an ounce of evidence that the poor get more poor because the rich get rich. And like John Stossel said, when the rich get rich, the poor get less poor. That's really what's going on here. But they don't want to say that. And so all these rich politicians are telling you, the ones that have scammed and schemed, they're all telling you that you have to give up anything extra to give and share by force. It's called socialism. Yeah. Be right back on The Kate Daly Show. Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. Hi there. Welcome. Kate Daly Show. It's true. Here we go. think we hate i think uh the 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 people of america especially is what i'm focusing on today um well we're having a hard time communicating because of the different levels of education in this country and education on true history and uh and what's actually happening in this country if you'll notice whenever somebody like a bernie sanders says the poor get poor the rich get richer it sounds like a really conclusive thought does it not And then when you dig, you're like, well, wait a minute, where's the proof of that? It sounds good. It sounds like a nice CNN soundbite that they'll play over and over again as if people have researched this and come to this conclusion. But it's not true. Income equality. I mean, it's 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 hilarious because because America gave people the opportunity to actually invent themselves from scratch in in previous centuries and in previous lands. And this is why you see so many novels where uh they're talking about um you know old england and you're and you're talking about classes and you could never rise above your class 
right? So when you had a poor little farmer, they could never marry somebody of royalty because you couldn't mix the two classes, right? It was forbidden. And that's why there was never a chance out of your class. Well, America gave that opportunity, but nobody wants to talk about that because they're trying to fundamentally transform America. Conservatives want to improve America, not transform it. We don't want to blow the house up and rebuild into something that is a um, socialistic communism uh, type of ideology. Um, We want what we have. We understand it. We love it. It's part of who we are. It's what gives us our um, identifies our liberty, our God-given liberty. And so we don't want to change that. So let me play a, a clip for you. Um, this is um, insight into a, a kid, a college student, asking Charlie Cook about socialism. Okay. And so you got to hear how he ends. I had, I had to cut out a couple of bad words for you. Uh, you'll probably hear that. But um, uh, the, the cutting out of a couple of words, just know that they were not good for radio. Here you go. Libertarian socialist, right? As as you would know, the you know workers controlling the means of production, right? That's just like an economic thing. I don't believe in in big government, right? This I is believe, a kid. Don't. No government. No government. Little so no you're an anarchist. Government. Yes, I believe in I believe in voluntary hierarchy and democracy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's wow. Charlie Kirk. Um, but let me ask you a question. In all seriousness, no. Here, here's the question. Here's a serious question, though. What's preventing you from doing what the Amish do? Get off the grid and just go live like that right now. Well, the Amish are religiously excluded. No, forget the, forget the religious okay, component. Well, but the Amish are a great example. It's incredibly difficult to just pick up everything that you have, leave, and go into So you want to tell me how to live? No, I'm not telling you how to live. No, 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 no. You are. Because you're arguing for a governmental structure... A lack of one, rather. So even a lack of a governmental structure will then make me live the way you want me to live. I'm not no, going to tell you how to live, live your however life. you want. What I'm saying is that so you're okay with me having five houses in, and six I'm, yachts. Uh, what I'm saying is that the society that I currently answer live the in, question. I'm forced to wait. What? what was you're okay one? with me having five houses and six yachts? Uh, I'm not okay with you having them ah, as if you are not you using go. them. Oh, not oh. you. So all of a sudden you're now telling me how to live my life. I'm never going to tell you how to live your life, my friend. Why are you telling me how to live mine? What I'm saying is that there are people that are literally starving, and that if you had extra houses and they literally just came and occupied the houses that you are not using. They are justified because you are being a massive. So Ooh. if someone forcefully takes away something that is sedentary, not being used in that purpose, it is a rightful means of theft. Yes. Wow. Yes. Um, so you don't believe in private property rights? No, I do not. I believe you don't pro- believe in private property rights. So we're getting somewhere. So, so you're not a libertarian, my friend. Libertarians no, believe. I'm not a libertarian it, in the American. I'm not a libertarian in the capitalist sense. I'm not a libertarian in the American sense. So stop using the word because you're anything but it. <laughs> See, so when it gets right down to it, they really do want to tell people how to live. And it's according to what they think the world should be like. Not working on self. See, he wasn't willing to take himself and put himself in an Amish situation, which he desired, because that's just too much bother. He just wants to change the world the way he sees it. And he thinks that, well, thieving you out of something you've earned because you're not using it is the right thing to do. This is how twisted these thoughts are getting. This is how insane it's getting. Okay. So now I want to turn to um, nihilism and I want to talk about atheism. This is Charlie Kirk. Uh, and th- and th- here's a student from Fullerton. I actually went to Fullerton. Here's a, here's a student from Fullerton, California saying, I have all these liberal roommates and um, they are nihilists and, and I want, you know, solve this problem for me. And so, uh, and so she's just saying, look, help. Here you go. Here, here he is. And, and he brings up something that I don't hear a lot of people talking about when talking to an atheist. 
Here we go. A sorority house with a lot of girls who are super liberal, and one of them in particular is very, uh, has a nihilistic worldview, atheist, super liberal. And how do I go about that, like trying to help her or combat that without um, still having to live with her as a roommate? And this really kind of drives them nuts. I wouldn't recommend using this, by the way, is that without God, there would be no atheists. Like, that really drives them out of control. Um, And I I mean, whatever. Without God, there's no atheists. um, When you're trying to talk to a nihilistic person, I think that, and there's a lot of different ways to go about it, but there's one thing they can't answer. You ready for it? Here's the cheat code. The social Darwinists that believe that in Darwinism, there's one thing that always gets them confused. It's music. What is music? Now, they will say that music came from songbirds. Like, no, 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 that's noise. What is music? Why do certain pieces of music make you cry? Why do certain pieces of music make you feel something that you just can't quite articulate? Why does some music sound better than others? Because we believe those of us that believe in God, that music is something that is extra spiritual. It's actually a connection to a higher power. That's why the longest book in the Bible is literally songs, psalms. The last, the last chapter of the book of psalms is about using trumpets and using instruments to glorify God. They can't explain music. They also can't explain beauty. Ask them, is there anything in this world that is beautiful? Go drive to Malibu and say, let's look at the sunset. Is that beautiful? Yes. Why? Why is it that when human beings see an open ocean, they all, we all agree there's something good about this. It's because we all have hardwired in us a yearning to desire the good and reject the bad. A, a, a size in our heart that only God can fill. Even the nihilists will admit this when they're confronted with it. And they don't have an answer for it. And so my advice to you, maybe you'll play Mozart, maybe something like that, and you listen to that music, and all of us will agree there's something so sweet and harmonious about this. And those of us that believe in the Bible, we can explain it, right? We know what that is, because we use music as a way to glorify God. That is why all of the great conductors and all of the great um, orchestra, all the great individuals of Mozart and Bach and all of them, they all said on the top of their music, glory be to God, always, because what they were doing to try to glorify God, always. So that's, I could go a lot deeper into that. But my advice to you is don't look at her as how am I going to live with her. Instead, say how I'm going to live forever with her. How do I bring her to heaven? That's my advice to you with it, okay? It's good, isn't it? Uh, Beauty and uh, music, two things that have no explanation. Um, Unless unless that belief in in God kicks in and you can... um, you can say why you why why those two things uh, exist the way they do. Isn't that interesting? Fascinating, huh? Trying to bring you the very best clips and answers to to all of these things. That's why I'm bringing you I'm bringing you Stossel Prager. I'm bringing you Charlie Kirk Danish. I mean, there's all kinds of people I could I could tap into for a lot of these, but I just really resonated with with several of these. I thought they were really good. Um, Okay, and on the heels of that, let me play this. This is a uh, this is a minute thirty. Uh, this is a clip from Dinesh uh, D'Souza from a movie called Trump Card, um, and uh, with a twenty twenty uh, release here. And then also, this is him interviewing um, uh, the uh, I, um, I'm sorry, the Iman uh, the Iman uh, Mohammed Tahidi. Okay, and he's asked, he's asking the question: Why does the progressive left align 
with the the radical Islam. I don't like to paint with a broad brush, um, but I will say there are there is a faction of, of progressive leftism that does align with the radical Islam. Here you go. So here's a paradox. In America, we have a political left. It's a progressive left. As you know, it's sexually permissive. And this political movement appears strangely allied with radical Islam. Can you explain this? When I was an extremist, Islamist, fundamentalist, I would only vote left. Why is that? I saw them as very stupid. I would fear the conservatives because they come with principle. That's not someone they can brainwash. But the left, I know they have no values and no principles to begin with. I dare you to find one Islamic extremist that votes for Donald Trump. Never do it. They'd give their vote to the leftist who wants to run around in in pride parades. And Islamic extremists are against gays and homosexuals and, and transgenders. But they want the left to go and get busy with that. They want them. Go, go, go speak about the climate. Go, go, go speak about abortion. Go, go kill yourselves. Go, go do that. And then, Omar, she's fighting for abortion rights. And all the other, my body, my choice. Yes, go do that. Go do that. But would she have an abortion? Never. Never. Would she kill a Muslim in her stomach? Never. What is the fundamentalist and jihadi agenda for America? The future of America has to be Muslim. Mm, interesting, isn't it? Um, coming from uh, an imam that that is expressing his view, I thought that I thought that was very interesting telling, um, to say the least. And you know, I was having a uh, conversation um, with with a mother of a, of a kid that had just come out of the closet, and um, and I was expressing. Well, we were kind of ex- exchange. This has been a friend for a long time, and 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 it was um, a conversation where the mother ended up jumping in politically um, because she wanted to show her son how much she loved him. And so she just started jumping into the political ring and going after the the newfound discrimination rights and all of these different things. And I remember uh, with this conversation, I said, I understand that you love your kid as I would, too. It doesn't matter if my kid was gay or not. I would love them. Bottom line, it doesn't matter to me. I, I love them fiercely no matter what happens to them, okay? Because they're your kid. I said, where I have an issue is, is in order to show the love, to show love, you think you have to then jump in politically and join the political um, groups that, um, that, that honestly, I don't think they really understand what they're doing. But it's, in, it's, it's done with the, with the desire to show love, but you're asking for something that hurts all of our rights, right? Because discrimination rights hurt everybody's rights because you're now identifying a super class and taking rights from somebody else. That's not equality of rights. And so, you know, there are distinct issues and problems when you get in and jump into the political ring. You do not have to show how, your kid how much you love them by fighting for something that will eventually hurt them anyway as an American, as a human being, you can just love them. And I do. I believe in that kind of love, that parental love, no matter what decision your kid makes. Right. I'm sure we're all on board with that. 
no matter what. You love them. You support them. You you help them, right? But you also stay true to your principles at the same time. And when people jump into the political ring, they seem to lose their principles along the way. The principles they had in their Christian values, they seem to lose that. You don't need to lose it. Be right back. Are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. Hi there. Happy Friday to you. Um, I, Joel Skousen was not able to uh, to fly in, actually. <laughs> and uh, just a host of things going on this morning. It was such a funny morning. But uh, um, let me just tell you, um, uh, this show, I'm, I'm hoping you're enjoying this because I'm trying to pull some of the best responses to these liberal arguments as we're hearing them tenfold right now in the election year, of course. Election years are always insane. Insane for talk radio, too, uh, as you can imagine. But also, at the same time, you're going to have people over for the holidays. You're going to be discussing the masks and all the crazy, nonsensical crap fest that everybody's trying to, 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 to convince everybody of on, on COVID. Uh, it's all lies. And, and so not all lies. It's a real thing. It's just the response is, is a lie. And so here we are with all of this going on. And I thought that I would try to be helpful in, in the solutions based arena to help you understand, to help, well, not you understand, cause I know you do, but to help you understand, see, I keep saying it. To help all of us grasp what, how to counteract these discussions, what you can say. And so the last hour, oh my gosh, you got to get the conversation between two black people discussing white privilege because one just annihilates the whole white privilege discussion um, when the other uh, black individual tries to um, pony up all these excuses as to why white privilege exists. So make sure you get it on podcast. But this is just, it's so important that we talk about these things. I just kind of brought up at that last couple of minutes going into the last segment, the um, LGBT, you can still maintain your principles principles and your beliefs without having to kowtow to the LGBT community. You don't have to jump on board politically and go into overdrive to show your kid how much you love them. You love them by maintaining your principles and who you are. So, you know, I had a friend whose kid came out and, and she just was kind of jumping ship on principles. It's like, why would you do that? I got to show, I sh- I have to show him how, uh, how much I love him. Well, you can do that without having to do that. I mean, why would you out be going out and fighting for all these insane things that the LGBT political class wants to go after? Why would you do that? They want things that are detrimental to all of our rights. It hurts all of us to have super classes of people who get rights. Everybody has the same rights in a courtroom. They don't ask you who you're sleeping with in a courtroom. Okay, so that, you know, that's that's the only equality we have. But yet we're kind of conned into this is love and this is kindness. It's not love and kindness to forego your principles. It just isn't. Show your kids who you really are and that you're there to stand by what you know to be true. And you can still love them anyway. And I I would love my kids no matter what happened or what they did. I'll take a quick call because I have critical race to get to, too. I want to talk about that. Hi, caller. Welcome to the show. Go right ahead. Well, you know, you're just talking about parents and LGBTQRS, whatever it is this week. I have a son going through the same thing right now. He has a daughter who Mm -hmm. called him one day and said, will you please fly a gay pride um, flag outside your home? And he said, no. (laughs) 
And right. her response was, and, and it's the lie that the, that this mm-hmm. group of people have sold to us. Mm-hmm. Well, that means you don't love me. Right. No. All tied to love. Mm-hmm. It means, it, it's such a lie. It, it is. It's such a lie. And these kids have embraced the lie. It is not a lie when your parents have certain standards. Yep. They still love you. Yep. They wrap their arms around you. It, you're always welcome. Yeah. You will live here if you need to. I mean, all of those things still apply. Right. Right. I, I totally it, agree with it, that. It, Thank you. And when, when this daughter, she's a grown adult, mm-hmm. you know, sends a sure. text that's kind of nasty. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, well, you know, yeah. she'll get over it or she won't. Right. But either way, I'm really happy that my son has a backbone mm-hmm. and explain to her with love and kindness what the deal is for him. Thank you. I love it. Really appreciate that. Thank you so much for that. Uh, I love that response. You know, I did a show a long time ago where I talked about the two first commandments. (laughs) As a Christian, you know these, right? Love God, love your neighbor. And there's a reason love God is first, because that puts your principles in the right order. You love God first, then you love everybody else. The political class of the LGBT community wants you to just go into this, I love everybody first, God's somewhere down on the list somewhere. You can just grapple with that later. That's not how it's supposed to work. So, um, there's that. (laughs) Okay. Um, Let me finish this off with critical race theory. For those who don't know what this is, um, this is, well, actually, I'll have Charlie Cook, uh, Kirk describe this to you. He actually does a really insightful job on this. And and I thought this was a really important history lesson as well for you. So here you go. He's talking about Angela Davis, and he's talking about why it's such a lie. Here you go. Here's Charlie Kirk. Critical race theory has decimated the law schools of this nation. You're right. And now we're in a position, uh, I don't know what can be done with the law schools, but if this room were filled with woke students, what would be the secret to their hearts? You're smart. Um, so, I like you. Um, he, he never says that about me. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So, let me just walk through the question, because I'm sure a lot of you are kind of like, what did you just say? And that's okay. So, there's a theory of analyzing the world called critical theory. It was started by a teacher from the Frankfurt School. The Frankfurt School would be, it was an adjunct of Frankfurt University in Germany. This was during Nazi Germany. They were not pro-Nazi Germany. They were in opposition of it, but they were Marxists. They started the Frankfurt School. They ended up becoming expatriates to our country. There was many of them as part of that kind of whole contingent. The most famous and most influential was one by the name of Herbert Marcuse. He started critical theory. Critical theory is nothing more than Marxist ideology, which is usually in economic terms, bourgeoisie versus the proletariat. That's what Marx argued, is that everything would be the working man versus the profiteering business person. Marcuse didn't believe that. He said that really we're nothing more than tribal groups. It's really skin color that matters. So you can have critical theory in law, you can have critical theory in science, all that sort of stuff. But he really came down, and the most popular was critical race theory. Before we go any further, every one of your young people is learning this, by the way. If they're in public school, if they're on social media, and most of your Christian, Christian curriculum has this, whether you realize it or not. 
So critical race theory, started in the 1960s, found a partner by the name of Angela Davis. (laughs) Angela Davis has done more for the destruction of civil society than any person that I can think of in academia. She's a devout communist. She calls herself a communist. She's a member of the Communist Party. Angela Davis and Herbert Marcuse did many events across the country. So what is critical race theory? It's very simple. I'll break it into five or six attributes. Number one, melanin is your master, meaning your skin color matters. Now, mind you, this is not an enlightenment idea. What built Western society was the Bible believing that neither slave nor free, Greek or Jew, we are all free in the blood of Jesus Christ, written by Paul in Philippians. This idea, we stewed over it, articulated by Augustine, enhanced by Aquinas, eventually spread thanks to the Protestant Reformation of Calvin, there is this idea that every life matters. By the way, that's not, we take this so for granted. You realize most of human history has not had what we call common sense. Seriously. So this idea that every life matters and we shouldn't judge people on the color of your skin. Martin Luther King rightfully built an entire movement trying to say, I don't care about what? The color of your skin instead about your content of your character. We used to teach our kids this. Now we're doing the opposite. First thing is melanin is your master. Number two is that racism is everywhere. This is the second thing they teach in critical race theory. What does that mean? That there is no institution, no conversation, no company where racism does not exist. The argument of critical race theory is that if you live in the West, it has been built for white supremacists, by white supremacists, and can only be challenged if you blow up the entire thing. Number three, they believe that dialogue is evil. They believe that if you have a discussion with somebody you disagree with, you're only validating the incumbent power structure. They do not believe in dialectic. They do not believe in what Christ brought to the world, which is conversations that need to have need to happen. Christ was the greatest communicator. He was unafraid to do it. We call him Logos for a reason. You need that kind of dialectic so that you can have civil society. They don't believe in it. Just read their literature. The fourth thing when it comes to critical race theory is that it's totalitarian in nature. It is not just what you do, it's what you don't do. White silence is violence. You hear that recently? It's not that you're doing something, it's that the fact you exist, it's a problem. If you don't post the black square, you're a bad person. It's not that if you post the opposite square, you're a bad person. It's if you don't do what they tell you to do, they're going to come after you. The fifth thing is this, is they believe science, math, reason, and empiricism, which was given to us thanks to the Enlightenment, are all instruments of white supremacy. They think that Newtonian physics, force equals mass times acceleration, object at rest will stay at rest. The second law of thermodynamics, inevitable decay, all those things are just excuses to keep white people in power. If you think this is insane, you're right. But every single law school in the country teaches this now, with the exception of a couple. Yeah. Every seminary teaches this. The Southern Baptist Convention has endorsed critical race theory. Here's how I can sum it all together. Critical race theory is so unbelievably dangerous, it'll disintegrate this country without us ever realizing it. There's only two ways to govern people. And this is the easiest way you can explain it to a critical race theorist. You can govern people by talking, speaking, and convincing. That's the Aristotelian method. Christ did it better than anyone else. Or you can govern people by force. That's it. 
You can organize every single government in the history of the planet in one of two buckets. Now, there's more nuance once you get into it. Stalin, force. Mao, force. Mussolini, force. Pol Pot, force. America, speaking and convincing. But what if you think dialogue's not important? You're in that second bucket quickly. Wow. Very good, right? Um, I wanted to do that because I thought that we don't talk enough about that. And um, shooting some holes into that, I thought that was probably uh, pretty appropriate right now. And then I'm going to end this with how do we make a better society? A little bit of Prager again, just to reinforce what we were just talking about. And this goes along with so many of the issues I presented today. The left-right paradigm. Why do we believe foundationally different things? Here you go. Individual. By each person doing battle with his or her... Okay, sorry, let me back that up. ...between the right and the left, concerns the way each seeks to improve society. Conservatives believe that the way to a better society is almost always through the moral improvement of the individual. The individual, very important. By each person doing battle with his or her own weaknesses and flaws. It is true that in violent and evil societies such as fascist, communist, or Islamist tyrannies, the individual must be preoccupied with battling outside forces. Almost everywhere else, though, certainly in a free and decent country such as America, the greatest battle of the individual must be with inner forces, that is, with his or her moral failings. The left, on the other hand, believes that the way to a better society is almost always through doing battle with society's moral failings. Thus, in America, the left concentrates its efforts on combating sexism, racism, intolerance, xenophobia, homophobia, Islamophobia, and the many other evils that the left believes permeate American society. Believes permeates American society. They will take a certain instance and turn it into a universal problem that they will combat instead of just working on self. It's a huge problem. Here you go. One important consequence of this left-right distinction is that those on the left are far more preoccupied with politics than those on the right. Since the left is so much more interested in fixing society than in fixing the individual, politics inevitably becomes the vehicle for societal improvement. Yes. That's why whenever the term activist is used, we almost always assume that the term refers to someone on the left. So true. And because the right, if you if you think, well, you can you can have enough people that will solve their own problems and weaknesses individually, that was what makes up a society. And the left is always going to push for quickly identifying societal issues they think society has and then quickly resolving them with more government. So this is why climate change is why you're going to die every 10 years. It's not 20. It's not 30. It's not 40. It's every 10 because you have to hurry up and do it right before we all die. (laughs) So this is why. And it's such a great reminder of why foundationally we think so differently um, and, and why we are the way we are. The right tends to work on the individual self. And, and actually sees and, and tries to look in the mirror. I thank you for, uh, Quinn, a uh, hat tip to you. Looks in the mirror for, for what it needs to solve, where the left likes to get its binoculars out, bypass the mirror, get the binoculars out so they can find something in society to go solve. Tell everybody how to do it, how to do it the right way and how to do it quickly and so quickly that your head will spin. 
That's the problem. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Get it on podcast. Share it. This is this needs to be shared both hours. Make sure you get both hours. Be faithful. Be fearless. Tomorrow, uh, there's a group that's doing a pancake breakfast at Cox Park. If you're local, go to it. They're going to be discussing liberty, and it's uh, a nice group that's going to show up there and do that. Anyway, 9 a.m. tomorrow, Cox Park. And-